Okay, is everybody ready? Yeah, I am ready. Uh, in fact, you know, South by Southwest told me to break a leg, so I did. <laughs> um, so I, you're gonna see me not moving so much because I did actually break my femur. My name is Sandy Carter, as you just heard, and I am so excited to be here to talk to you today about the metaverse mindset of Web3 AI and the future of business. Um, this is so exciting. We will be showing today 10 different use cases in B2C and eight use cases in B2B. So I'm hoping what you'll do today is you'll take away some new information you're going to learn, and you're going to take away some actions that you can do immediately at your company and for yourself. So let's go ahead and get started. And I'm going to start with a little story, if I could. I don't know how many of you have traditions at your family. But um, for my family, every Sunday morning, I make pancakes for my daughters. So one Sunday morning, my daughters came to see me and they said, Mom, can you make us this pancake? And I said, of course, I can make you that pancake. <laughs> now you're laughing, but I learned a lot from this tradition of my pancake. First of all, I was customer obsessed. I listened to my daughters, my customers, and I delivered something for them. Secondly, this is an MVP, a minimum viable product. <laughs> and for MVPs, you don't usually focus on the user interface. And then last and finally, I created a lot of utility because my daughters gobbled this down, and much to my chagrin, they also posted it all over Instagram. I told them they didn't have to give me credit, though. <laughs> so why am I talking to you about that today? Because we are in the MVP phase of the metaverse, of Web3, and of AI. So you're going to expect a few bumps. It's not going to be as easy. But as you as companies need to make sure that you are customer obsessed about what you're doing, not technology obsessed, customer obsessed, and you need to make sure that you're really driving for utility or value for your customers as well. So let's get started. And since we're going to be talking about the metaverse mindset, I want to start out with a definition part today and part futuristic of where we're going to go with the metaverse. So what is it? Well, today it is a digital world, so not a physical world, a digital world. It is where we will all live, will work, will play, will interact, and will have our social or our digital presence that will be there anytime and anywhere. So as we grow into this, you'll see that maybe you don't have to have AR and VR glasses. It's really not about that. It's really about the experience. So as I was looking at this, um, one of the things I've been doing is writing a book. I just finished writing it. So I did thousands of hours of research on this topic, the metaverse mindset, as well as Web3 and AI. Um, many of you probably know, but if you don't, I came from Amazon Web Services, where I focused in on emerging tech like AR, VR, and AI, and then I also helped with Watson with IBM. So I've got a lot of experience in the past that I'll apply, but I want to also let you know that I've been working in the Web3 metaverse space for the last two years with lots of different customers as well and partners, so I'm going to apply all of that as we go. So I found five things that I wanted to share with you today. Now as we go through this too, you'll notice I do have my Twitter handle at the bottom, Sandy underscore Carter. If you do have a question for me, or there is something that you want to ask and we can't get to it, if you tweet and tag me, I will promise you, I'll give you my promise that I will answer your questions too. Okay, so the five things I want to talk to you about today that are part of that metaverse mindset. Number one, forward looking, always looking forward, looking and seeing what changes are happening. Because this space is so volatile. There's so many changes, even more than when I was at Amazon. The space is changing constantly. Um, the second one is really looking at these immersive experiences that are engaging, that are adding value to what you're doing. You always want to look at that. Gartner says that experiences are the last form of competitive advantage. Um, third, what you want to look at is people are the center of the metaverse in Web3. It's not technology. It's going to be people. So we're going to talk about that. Number four, we're going to chat about digital identity as a human right. We just had several workshops and sessions on this at Davos um, that I think this will be really important. And then finally, 
AI as a partner. I'll share with you some of my tools that we're using, um, some of the approaches, and want to make sure that you leave with, as a company today, you need to teach your employees how to leverage these new tools that are out there. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, so let's start with the first one. We're gonna talk about forward looking. I told you I just did lots of thousands and thousands of hours for my book. I, I whittled it down to five core areas that I wanted to focus on here in terms of being grounded with that forward looking perspective. Um, and I thought that these were really relevant for this, but however, I've seen some amazing futurists here. I'm gonna keep adding to my repertoire and I would encourage you guys to do the same. So one of those is that by 2030 to 2050, there'll be more grandparents than grandchildren. So you're gonna see a lot of metaverse use cases. I just saw a couple of startup uh, competitions focused on how the metaverse can be used for the elderly because this will be a hot area. Number two is that instead of digital first, we're gonna merge to metaverse first. So I checked seven years ago, I actually did a keynote here at South by Southwest called Digital First. It was like a brand new thing. Uh, but I think that's gonna merge to Metaverse First as we're going. I just looked at the earnings reports, you know, where the CEOs get on and chat about what's coming, and there was a significant increase in the mention of the Metaverse from 2021 to 2022 to 2023. So I think you're gonna start seeing that. Number three, Africa will have more tech skills than any other uh, continent, more than China, more than India. Um, and this, we read, will happen by 2035 to 2040. Why is that significant? Africa, as a continent, has declared their focus will be Web3 and the metaverse. And in fact, we just announced, uh, Unstoppable Women of Web3 and the metaverse just announced with Google Cloud, African Leadership Group, and the Female Group of CEOs Network, that we will focus on making sure that we're training six million women in that space too, so we have diversity. Number four, AI will be embedded in everything that's electronic out there today. We're already starting to see it. In fact, Friday, if you were here on stage, you saw Disney unveil a Tinkerbell robot that also was connected to NFTs. Um, really, really interesting, and I think that'll be the wave of the future. And the last one, digital assets will be valued more than in real life assets. That's already starting today. I just went to one of my best friend's uh, daughter's birthday party. And I thought, I asked her, what do you want for your birthday? And I thought she was gonna say new clothes or new jewelry um, or a new bedspread, I didn't know. But what she asked for were Robux, which are digital currency that she can use in the metaverse called Roblox. That's a true story. So given that that next generation of Zoomers coming up are looking for digital assets, by the time that they grow up and are making decisions, you won't have to convince anybody why this digital asset is valuable. They will know. So these are just five of the things that I thought were significant for this space as we look forward. Um, I also wanted to look at what industries are ahead today. So I also did a lot of research saying who is ahead because those guys are probably going to lead the pack into 2030 to 2050. Number one on the list, fashion. That was a little bit of a surprise, but as I thought about it, Web3 and the metaverse is very creative and has a lot of intuition into it. So it really does make sense. We also see auto, so if you haven't seen like the Porsche activation here, you should go check that out. Um, technology, hospitality, I saw a training video for a hamburger place, they're doing all their training in the metaverse. And then um, consumer goods, we see consumer goods too. And I have to share this one story, so this is our first example. I grew up in North Carolina, Lowe's is a hardware company, they're based in North Carolina as well. So I thought this was a great story. I love it because of the way that they're using the metaverse and Web3. So Lowe's is a retailer, and they started this project, so it's brand new. You're gonna hear a lot of experiments. It's called Project Unlock. Their business goal, you should always start with a business goal, their business goal for consumer goods is to reduce the amount of theft that occurs in their stores. And most, a lot of it now is organized. So their goal was to save 700,000 on a billion dollars of sales. Imagine that. 
How are they gonna do that? Well, each power tool will have IoT sensors in it and it will have a digital twin. That digital twin will be an NFT on the blockchain so that they can track ownership of that power tool. Now, they're just in experimentation mode, but just chatting with them, if this works, this will transform retail for decades to come. So watch this experiment as it goes forward. Now, if you wanna stay ahead of this, obviously you can't come to South by Southwest every week, which I wish we could. How do you stay ahead of it? Well, my first recommendation is that you form a rabbit team. Now, you're probably saying, oh, Sandy, you mistyped. You meant tiger team, right? No, I actually mean rabbit team. And let me tell you why. Uh, in Web3, there's a term, it's called going down the rabbit hole, which means you're learning and you're studying. Plus, the space is moving so fast, I think you have to move at a rabbit's pace. You have to go very, very rapid. So what does this team do? This team is there to learn and be curious, to exercise that muscle, and to iterate and pivot and really help you as a company figure out where you might need to go. Now, there are three forms that this team could take, and I'm sorry, I know this is a little bit dense, but when I post it, you'll get a lot of value from it. There are kind of three forms you could do here. The first one is you could do a steering committee. So you've got parts of people's time that come together to do this. They share their reading, readouts. There are pros and cons to that. You know, one is only having a certain part of your time dedicated to it. The second one you could do is you could do a, uh, a view of a center of enablement or a center of excellence. And in that view, you still have some dedicated team members, but not all, and they're sharing this out on a regular basis. The last one is the one I prefer, but I know it doesn't fit everybody's culture. But it's really to have like this design studio a concept where you have a small team that's dedicated completely to this and one of their major missions is not only to form and execute a strategy but to also educate their customers as well as um, the company itself. So you decide what kind of team structure you would want based on your corporate culture as well. So now if you think about this, what kind of members do you want on the team? I spent a lot of time looking at successful teams, and this is what I found. The ones who are really successful today, looking forward, have someone who's an educator on them, because it's brand new. You've got to figure out how to educate everybody. I have a gamer on here, and what I mean by that is someone who understands it, who's in it every day, who's like a young developer, someone who knows the space. You need a product manager. I learned this from Amazon. Secret sauce, having a great product management team. Obviously a strategist, a marketeer, and a technologist. But you'll notice something else I have on there. Remember I said the team's gonna be small. They're gonna be nimble. And so they're not gonna have a lot of resource. So we really need them to also leverage the AI tool set. Uh, this is really important as a part of the team as well. And so what I did was I listed out some of the tools that I use from AI today. Now this is not an endorsement of these tools. These are ones that I'm playing with. So you'll see things like ChatGPT on there where I look at tweets and blogs and posts. Um, I have on there MIM, which is great at taking a bunch of customer feedback, sorting through it and providing insights. Or even you can either thank or not thank Poised who coached me on my keynote today so that I could deliver an effective message for you guys. And then if you like my graphics, do you like my graphics so far? They are complements of Midjourney. Midjourney is an AI tool, you give it context, and it creates graphics for you as well. So these are just some of the tools that I use in my Web3 and Metaverse journey. Okay, so we talked about number one, looking forward, maybe forming a rabbit team to get that done. The second thing is being obsessed. Obsessed with immersive experiences, engagement, and value to your company. Uh, I'm sorry, to your users or your customers. And this is really important that you're obsessed with it. It means you're not gonna release anything unless you've really thought through that experience that you wanna, you wanna give. Now from the research, um, I looked at lots of research out there in the market that talked about in today's environment, what really classifies immersive and engaging. So of course, you know, it has to be active. It has to be like an active thing that you have someone doing, not passive. Um, you have to be able to absorb yourself in it. There has to be value for you, 
more than just you know, something that's minuscule. There has to be value. But the other two things that popped out that I thought were really interesting are on the right side of this chart. Um, your experiences today, people are demanding a learning experience. They want to be taught something. They want to walk away stronger than they were before. And they want to have fun, which I really love, right? Can you make your experience fun as well? So let me see if you think about a couple of examples in the space. Forever 21, hopefully you guys know Forever 21, they're a clothing retailer, and they have set up a metaverse, let's call it a 2.5 metaverse, it's in Roblox that we talked about earlier, and you create your characters. If you haven't done this with your kids, guys, you have to get in there and do it. It is incredible, and I love it because about 60% of those using Roblox today are girls. They have 60 million users, very active, higher than any social media engagement today, super active. So what did Forever 21 do? They built a world here, and they created co-creation stations. So all of the users could co-create the future of retail with Forever 21. Now what Forever 21 started doing is as you're co-creating, so you're engaged, right? You're helping the company design the next t-shirt or hat. You're co-creating, you're immersed in the environment. Um, and you're getting value because then Forever 21 produces that good. Like right now they have a hat that says forever on it that's designed from this world. Um, and they're engaged, they're immersed, and they're getting value. So we see a lot of this. So as you can see, some of the results they've had are not just the engagement. They've increased their sales, of course, because if you help create it, then you usually want to buy it. Um, they've also increased their brand image as they've moved forward, in particular, in this particular uh, segment of the market. But they're not the only ones doing this. Uh, BMW, you saw Porsche here. BMW is also leveraging this. They've created a metaverse for innovation. Their researchers, their developers are in there together from around the world, designing, passing off ideas, brainstorming together. And just note that in 2022, talk about forward-looking, BMW is one of the first automotive companies that joined the Metaverse Standards Alliance, which means they believe this is going to be going forward and they want to help create the standards around it. Recently, BMW has released this for customers too, to where they can jump in and also co-create with BMW what that next car looks like, what that next motorcycle looks like as they go. So another great example of co-creation. And then I love this one. This is from one of my very favorite companies. It's a company called Relic Tickets. And what does Relic Tickets do? They create a ticket for you that is an NFT. So it lives on the blockchain. Um, it has so much value because, you know, for me, I don't know, I go to concerts or I go to South by Southwest, I'll take my badge and I'll put it in a, you know, in a, in a basket or something because I want to remember that I went to that event or I went to the Super Bowl. Well, what they now do is that ticket now lives on the blockchain. So you can obviously go back there and validate that you were part of that event, part of that experience. And again, a lot of experimentation. Relic is now experimenting with Sonic Bloom, which is a music festival. So you can see in my digital wallet, I have two Sonic Blooms. If I now go to the third Sonic Bloom festival, I'm going to get a VIP seat. I might get a really cool t-shirt. I might get a discount. So providing rewards now, again, to engage the audience to create an immersive experience, having it be digital and online, and providing value back to the user. So the other area that I wanna talk about, which is very different in Web 3 versus Web 2, is community. So in Web 3, the mantra or the ethos is, the community is the project. The project is the community. And this is really important um, because it's even different than, you know, being customer obsessed, where you're listening to your customers. Here, we're talking about working with your customers, not just listening to them and gathering input, but working with them. And there's several great companies who are doing this today. Um, one of those is BFF, which is Blockchain Friends Forever. Um, they're targeting, it, that it, it's true, it's BFF. Um, it is a group of women. There were 100 founding members. I'm part of the founding team. 
but the two female founders are Britt Morin and Jamie Smith. And they've done a great job of being the community is the project and the project is the community. They do tons of things online and digitally, but they also do in real life events. So we had a dinner last night, for example, so we can meet people in real life. It's engaging, like you don't wanna miss it, like you have that feeling that it's something really important. And then they also have an NFT collection to show that engagement as well. This is one of their friendship bracelets. So you guys remember friendship bracelets? Maybe your kids have it today. You get a friendship bracelet as an NFT and charms get added to that NFT as you do more and more with the community. This is one that was just recently added for International Women's Day. And then I, I love this because I just added the slide last night. I just met with IWC who produces watches and the company that's been working with them with this RNA. Uh, this is really cool. So because this watch manufacturer is so um, exclusive, they want their community to be very exclusive. So what they created, this little spinning thing, is a NFT, which is basically a digital asset. And then they've token-gated, so you have to have the asset to get into the community. They've token-gated the community. It's taking off like wildfire for everyone who owns an IWC watch. One of the things I was really impressed with, look at this mobile device. Can you see their Web3 um, manifesto? How many of you have a manifesto, a Web3 manifesto, a metaverse manifesto? Uh, they're one of many that have these manifestos out there today. And then you can see some of the other community stuff. I mean, basically, it's like I'm taking a picture of the watch on my wrist, or uh, by the way, that is a Porsche behind them. Uh, or I'm taking a picture, I'm in front of the store, and I'm taking a picture of myself, and people are really engaged in this community. It's, it's really interesting, but I have take my hat off to IWC because they know that community for sure. So some of the strategies that, that you've seen here, being immersive and engaging, co-creating in the metaverse, like you saw from Forever 21 and BMW, um, doing rewards and loyalty, like you saw from Relic Tickets, I didn't show you Nike and Starbucks because they're everywhere. I know you've read about the stories. I wanted to show you new stories as well. And then, of course, communities. You're going to hear here in a second from Polygon. We talked about BFF, Lazy Lions. There's so many great examples out there. Remember, the playbook has not been written here. There's no playbook to follow. So now you get to create that playbook, both for today and for the future. And if you do this with immersive experiences and engagement and value, this is where we found the most successful experiments happening today is where you really have those three things happening together. Okay, so we've gone through two, forward-looking and these engaging, immersive experiences that add value. You guys ready for number three? Oh, you guys, you lost your energy? Are you ready for number three? Okay, there we go, awesome. Um, and this is one of my favorites. So this is one of the reasons that I actually left Amazon Web Services and moved over to a Web3 Metaverse company. And this is because I believe that your digital identity is a human right. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. In your digital identity, who owns the data about you? Who owns that data? Um, I just was in a panel right before this where they talked about, oh, we own the data, but we won't do anything with it unless you give us permission. Or we own the data, we'll aggregate it, and then we'll do something. You know. And I don't think that's right. I think that the data is about you, and therefore you should own your own data. So as we look at this, what is a digital identity to start off with? So a digital identity is an identity that travels with you through the metaverse. It is, in essence, the way that you transact. It's the way that you um, share information about yourself. It really represents who you are. It kind of represents your brand and your company's brand. And it's very different than Web 2. So let me, let me try to show you what that looks like. So if you think about Web 2, when you log into a platform, could be any platform, you log in with a password and an ID. And as you log in, for the convenience of using that password and ID, the data that's collected about you goes to that platform. So I'm from Texas, and um, one time my husband and I were going to a Texas party, and in the car we were chatting about buying boots and hats. 
I got into my house, and what kind of ads do you think I was being served up? Stetson hats and Roper boots, because obviously someone was listening to me, collecting that data, and they were monetizing it. And in fact, Facebook and Google made $100 billion off of selling all of our data. So what happens in Web3? Well, and in Web3, you own your digital identity. So mine is sandy.nft. I use that to log into multiple applications. So I don't have separate uh, email um, IDs to log in. I have one. And all the data about me is stored with me. So now I'm the one who gets to decide who gets the data, when they get the data, how much data they get, and what they get. So now I'm in control. This is why I believe it should be a human right that we own our own data. So what does it look like? I'm a very visual learner. So I wanted to show you my digital identity. I told you at front, I work for Unstoppable, so this is my unstoppable digital identity that I have. Um, item number one, you can see up there is sandy.nft, and hopefully you can see that picture. That's my avatar. That's a Ready Player Me avatar that works on over 4,000 metaverses. It's directly hooked to my ID. You also see two, in item number one, you still see two crypto wallets that are connected to Sandy.nft. So I was just at CES, and at CES, I was able to walk into a store that accepted crypto. I didn't have to pull out a credit card. I typed in my digits, connected it to my wallet, and I automatically was able to pay. So now I'm gonna go on to the next one, but before we do that, let's look broadly at what we're seeing on the screen. That kind of looks like a LinkedIn profile for Web3, right? It's really representing what I want you to see or know about me, just like on LinkedIn. I might put my rewards up there, what companies I've worked for, things I wanna brag about. Now you're seeing this in a Web3 format, um, except that now it's verified. Instead of having me claim that I did it, I actually have something that lives on the blockchain that's verified by another party that proves that I did it. So for example, if you look at item number two, you can see a Nori badge up there. I'm proud about that because I've made all of my NFTs carbon neutral. Item number two, I was named most inspirational woman of um, Web3 in the metaverse. I, I thought that was cool, so I have that up there. Um, I also, and you guys will know this, right? I'm a fangirl of Gary V. So that next one is a ticket that shows I went to a Gary V VIP uh, event. So I wanted to brag about that. So you can see all of that there. You can choose what you want to show there. Other things in my profile, like number three, are my social media accounts. So now, I can, if I choose to, I can share that I have 90,000 followers on Twitter. And then I can get clout when I log into a Web3 social media platform. I also have a website there. Ooh, and then on number five, I have badges. Now these badges are super cool because uh, you can leverage this badge to create micro-communities. I think this is another future view of where we're gonna see communities go. They're not gonna be big communities, they're gonna be communities that have something alike or in common. So for example, I went to a dinner the other night, it was a metaverse dinner. I went to an AI Web3 dinner last night. Those are micro-communities. You have the same thing digitally. So one of those badges I have down there we won an award from Intel for innovation. When I click on that badge, I can be connected to everybody else who won an innovation award. Again, creating this micro community. My favorite thing though about this slide is on the right where you see sandy.nft and you see six and seven. This is where I decide what information I wanna share with whatever application I'm logging into. So if I don't want someone to get my email, I don't have to share my email. If I don't want someone to know where I am located, I don't have to share that as well. So this is very powerful. That's what we have today. Where is this going in the future? Well, did you just see that the California DMV, now DMV, right? You, when you think DMV, you think emerging, engaging value immediately, right? That's what comes to my mind instantly. So what is the California DMV doing? They're experimenting on a blockchain called Tezos. They're experimenting with putting your car title as an NFT that would sit inside of that digital identity. Really cool. Well, what else could sit there? Well, you could have a lot of things that sit in there too. So think about healthcare. I was at a healthcare startup sem seminar. 40% of misdiagnosis occurs because your doctor 
doesn't have the complete information about you, all your tests from all these different places. So now you could have that in your NFT or your school where you graduated from. Now you don't have to prove where you graduated from or your sports team. That also plays a role in your digital identity. You could have that in here. So the future, there are endless possibilities. In fact, when people ask me for my favorite application, I always tell them that it hasn't been invented yet. It will come here very shortly. So digital identity is really important. Number one question I get, and I see it up here on the screen too, is okay, Sandy, if I'm gonna own that data and manage that data, wow, do I have to have a database administrator at my house to do that? So I tried to envision with MidJourney the future, like what it would look like. I was given an example from my grandmother where she said when she was growing up, they couldn't imagine that everybody would have a refrigerator as an appliance in their house. So I'm gonna have you imagine that you have a data appliance that sits in your house. Many of you will probably call me crazy. I'm sure I'm gonna get bunches of comments up here. Um, and I put this into mid-journey so you can see they actually put my data management on a refrigerator. That's okay, it looks pretty cool. But it makes it easy, right? I'm managing my data. Or what if that data could be as easily managed as today you have a remote control? Put that into mid-journey. You can see my data for the week outlook is on a TV. What if I could manage my data that easy and I could optimize where I got rewards? Like maybe I use Relic tickets and I got another discount to a concert, for example. I think there are awesome things that are gonna happen in the future and I think this data appliance will be one of them and maybe one of you in the audience will be the one to create that amazing, easy to use data appliance for us in our homes. Another thing you can do with that digital identity is you can declare a community. So blockchain.com, which is one of the largest exchanges in the Web3 space today, decided that you know I had sandy.nft, they were gonna declare dot blockchain as their community. So they decided to facilitate for their entire community of 35 million users dot blockchain. So it would be sandy dot blockchain that I would use as my digital identity. Now you can see that I'm starting micro communities, right? I'm a user of blockchain, so I've got that dot blockchain uh, as well. So if you think about this, there are lots of different examples that you could do. Some of the strategies you could look at are, you know, as an individual, I would love for all of you guys to go and create that Web3 brand, that digital identity for yourself. Get ready for it coming and then add to it as you go. Or if you're a corporation, look at doing your own um, domain or that like dot blockchain did to signify a micro community. Or try out a token gated event. Just try it out and see how it works. Or do a badge like Intel did for innovation and connect others in that micro community. It's a great way to start experimenting with the Web3 world. Okay, so we're now looking at this. And in the metaverse first world, remember that's coming, I believe that your new brand will be your digital identity. Your new brand will be that digital identity. So don't hesitate, get started on that today. Okay, so now we're going to number four. Uh, that metaverse mindset believes that people, not technology, people are at the center of the metaverse and Web3. In fact, nothing would make me happier than next year at South by Southwest. We don't even say the words metaverse and Web3, but we're just using it because there's so much value in it. There's so many use cases that can be done. So if we think about people at the front, people being first, what does that mean? That means we're always gonna talk about our user. We're always gonna look at our user's journey. We're gonna look at that customer experience being end to end, not just at the very beginning when they purchase, but how they experience it throughout. And there's lots of, again, great examples here of people doing this today. Um, I view this as kind of a um, concentric set of circles where you have people at the center that digital identity identifies them in that Web3 metaverse world. Then you've got the avatar, which is really your um, recollection of what you look like in that world. And then, of course, you've got creators and um, communities and all kinds of users that surround that. So as you're thinking about that, here is a great example. So this is from Fortune's Most Powerful Women Conference. They do that conference every year. 
This last conference, they gave an avatar to every one of those senior women, so CEOs, CMOs, CXOs across the board. This is my avatar, and you see one of the things right away on the shirt, it has MPW, it's Most Powerful Women, Fortune Most Powerful Women, so they were branding their company. You can also see that I've got Sandy.NFT attached to it, and this is a big change that we're seeing happen right now in the metaverse. It used to be that people would visit these 4,000 metaverses that are out there today, and they would want to change their look, so every avatar would be different. But now, what we're seeing are sessions on how to create your brand in the metaverse. And it starts out with your digital identity and then designing that avatar so people can recognize you. So for example, I was at CES. I met many people at CES that I saw here at South by Southwest. They recognized part of me because of how I look, my, my physical appearance. And so we're starting to see the same thing happen um, in the metaverse as well. Accenture is also doing this. Did you know that Accenture now, with Julie Sweet as the CEO, is onboarding all of their employees in the metaverse? So when you join Accenture, you don't go through a training person program in person, you go through it in the metaverse. So that means you're meeting people from all over the world. There's a bit of AI in it, so it customizes how you get onboarded into the metaverse. Great way to drink your own champagne. Um, this is Unstoppable Women of Web3. We decided to put people first and develop a headquarters in the metaverse. Anybody else have a headquarters in the metaverse? It's a great experiment to do. So we designed it. We wanted to put people first, but we had a headquarters. So of course, if you have a headquarters, you have to have a door, right? To open the door when you get into a head. But you know what? It's really hard to open a door as an avatar. So our first design had a door on it. People were standing outside. No one could figure out how to open the door. Not a great experience, not putting people first. So as you can see, we've removed the door. Um, we actually ended up winning two loveys for our design and for putting people first uh, as well. And then I love this. So if you guys know Kathy Hackle, she is the godmother of the metaverse. She just started her own company called Verse Lux, and she's putting women at the center. She's designing jewelry. That, and I have on her very first necklace right here. So after the session, if you want to come take a picture of it, uh, please do that. So this is her very first necklace. Um, it's got a chip in it. She spent um, months and months with designers figuring out how to mint this as an NFT and being able then to show your digital identity embedded into jewelry, luxury jewelry as well. Um, so another example of putting people at the center, or in her case, women at the center of this. And then one more that I absolutely uh, love is John Deere. And you might say to me, John Deere, like tractors? Oh my gosh, this company is so creative, has so much amazing technology. And what they've done is they've created a metaverse where farmers can try out tractors. Now you might think, try out tractors? Yes, and that's because the tractors now have so much technology in it. Um, they provide insight on the seeds, where to plant the seeds, where the weeds are, how to put weed killer on the weeds, how to fertilize correctly. It's a lot to learn. And so what they found is that to save the time of the farmers who run these major farms in the, in the, in the world, um, they would embed that into a trial run in the metaverse. So John Deere is doing this today. There are other companies, and one of the things I'd like to do now is I'd like to bring out Brian Trunzo from Polygon. Um, Polygon is one of those companies that really does put their ecosystem at the center. So I'd like to bring out Brian uh, to take us to the next level. Brian? Thank you. Let's hear it for Sandy. I mean, she's just unstoppable, right? So, thank you, Sandy. And that was just a, a movable feast of information. Um, so hopefully everyone here is a bit smarter than they were when they got here today. Um, and on that note, I want to talk something about community. 
Sandy has talked a little bit about community already, but I want to talk about it through the eyes of someone who works at a blockchain protocol, someone who is crypto anarchic and endemic to the space. That's myself, of course. Uh, someone who bred crypto kitties, uh, for anyone who remembers crypto kitties, of course. Uh, and in my mind, community is what is driving Web3 adoption forward. Uh, to use Sandy's words, it's driving the metaverse mindset, right? But it's much more than that. Um, community drives humanity in many ways, right? We have this preternatural urge to meet with folks who we deem to be a part of our tribe, right? Even just coming here to South by Southwest is an act of finding community. You have to decide that this was the industry that interests you and that you wanted to come to these talks and you wanted to make networking and connections with folks that you would find as members of your tribe, right? So with that, Web3 tooling, metaverse tooling, really turbocharges this concept of community. Prior to Web3 tooling, these primitives like DAOs and multi-sig wallets and open decentralized metaverses, it was nearly impossible, if not impossible, really, for a community to create value and share in that value inherently digitally, right, through this tooling, to have a multi-sig wallet, to, to reward folks for their contributions to the community. You would have to work through intermediaries to create up corporations and then, you know, name directors and shareholders. But if you have a community with a multi-sig and a DAO, uh, you can create value and have that benefit inert to the community uh, as a matter of course. Another topic that I wanted to talk about uh, in this metaverse mindset, Sandy had mentioned it earlier, this idea of identity. Identity is also existential, right? Who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I project who I want to be to others? Uh, we go our entire lives asking these questions, uh, answering these questions. Some of us never do, and that's okay, right? It's, it's about the journey. Um, and then figuring out how we want to communicate those answers to others. And for me, it's no surprise that identity would be front and center to Metaverse and to Web3, of course, uh, and to find its first killer use case in Web3 uh, through the PFP. Uh, so for those of you who do not know what a PFP is, that is a profile picture. Uh, and these are PFPs up on the screen here from the Utes community. Uh, and people quite literally believed that these Utes or whatever community uh, that they ascribed to, that they were a member of, uh, corresponded to their identities, right? They would remove and continue to do so as this is a viral trend still. They would remove uh, their avatars on social media and instead place a Ute or a bored ape or a CryptoPunk as uh, their avatar, that is their identity, that is their projection of self um, to the world. And what's ironic about this is that up until Web3, up until blockchain, we didn't have the ability to actually allow folks who were uh, giving out their identity, showcasing their identity to the world, to actually own their identity or own anything that could be ascribed to their identity. Anything that you own inside a virtual world is really just a license to use it subject to the terms and services. So identity, how you project yourself through your appearance and how you act, all of this being recorded on chain, we believe that this is the lifeblood of our social contract and of Web3. Sandy had talked about Web3 quite a bit previously, uh, so I won't go through the details of Web1 through Web3 in terms of read, read, write, read, write, and own. Instead, uh, I will talk about what that means for engagement and how community and identity uh, sort of live at the core of this. So in Web 1, when you were reading the internet, how did you access the information? Well, you did it with a mouse. You clicked on a website. In Web 2, we continue to hammer away at our phones, at our iPads, at our Android devices, using our thumbs as access points to what we're writing to the internet. And in Web 3, the beautiful thing about Web 3, about this ownership concept, is that we're going to access this information. We're going to access Web3 through our avatars, through our identity. And that ties back, of course, to community. We'll do it together inside these metaversal virtual worlds. And with that, community and identity, right at the intersection, we believe that domains live there. This idea that human-readable addresses that indicate one's identity and allows one to join a community will be one of the great sort of springboards into Web3 that will allow us to cross the chasm and onboard millions into Web3 and eventually billions, of course. So that's why I'm here today to talk about Dot .polygon, um, to make this announcement that after a year-long uh, sort of process of, of working on this technology with Sandy and the great folks at Unstoppable Domains, we've come up with the first 
native Polygon uh, human readable address for folks to showcase their identity and join communities uh, built on the Polygon blockchain. And with that, to learn more about dot .polygon, we would encourage you to take a look at that QR code uh, and, and read all about it and test it out for yourself. And I always say the best way to learn Web3, the best way to embody this metaverse mindset is to live it. You can listen to talks ad infinitum, but unless you actually move forward with these technologies, you will always be one step behind. So that's my point of view on that. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, so that just shows you, uh, you know, Polygon is probably the largest um, Web3 company out there today with uh, over, on their website, they state over 60,000 apps have integrated and leveraged and used them as they um, move forward. So thank you, Brian, for those great remarks and thanks for sharing your point of view on this as well. Okay, so we've got one last area we're gonna cover, but let me summarize this people first. What is my advice here for you as you're looking at look people first? Um, the, per the first is to play storm. So you guys have heard about brainstorm, right? Now you're gonna play storm. So Brian even mentioned that the best way to learn Web3 in the metaverse is to play with it. So what I would encourage all of you, go and join a virtual concert. Go and try Roblox with your kids. Um, I did see a lot of questions here about you know, protection of kids. There is a concept called the responsible metaverse where people are doing their best to also protect kids. It is top of mind for us. I'm actually co-authoring a paper with some groups from Davos about responsible metaverse, especially for the protection of our kids. So that will be part of it. Play with it, see what it's like. Um, I'll tell you, I lecture in the metaverse and I had uh, this friend of mine, I won't tell you who it is, uh, he's very technical. He wanted to come and watch one of my lectures. Uh, so I invited him to come and I said, hey, I can help you get set up and everything if you want and teach you. And he's like, no, look, I'm super technical. I got it. You guys probably know where this is going. So I, I'm lecturing and as I'm lecturing, I look up on the ceiling and there's an avatar up there. It's stuck up there for my entire lecture. So it wasn't until afterwards that I figured out it was actually my friend, the super technical guy. He couldn't figure out how to get his avatar down from the ceiling. He was trying to DM me, but of course I was lecturing, so I couldn't help him. Um, so there's no better place to learn than trying it out and getting stuck up on the ceiling. You learn a lot from that or having a, a headquarters that you can't open the door for. That's how you learn. Um, the second thing is design it in. So all the examples I gave you, these folks are designing it in, right? So from the, you know, the new necklace, which is digital and physical from everything that you're doing. Sorry about that, I touched my microphone. Um, you need to design it in from the front. So that's what we see from you know, John Deere to DressX to all the great examples that I gave you. And then finally, I really believe strongly in community-driven um, as a strong strategy as you move forward. So look at communities. Polygon is a great one to learn from. As I said, they probably have the strongest community um, of the ecosystem out there today. Okay, so we're ready for the last one. You guys ready for number five? So we've gone through all four. Hopefully you're learning stuff as we go. Yeah, okay, great. Um, yeah, please give me feedback too because I do wanna know how I can better, I mean, my goal here is to, to serve you and to provide you with valuable information you can take away. Um, so the last one is about AI, augmenting your partnership with AI. I know many people think that AI just sprung up, but you know, I did Watson playing Jeopardy. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, many years ago, but now it's come, it's had its chat GPT moment, as everybody calls it, and so we need to embrace it and work with it as we go forward, and I think it has so much incredible power. Um, so I'm gonna show you one, this one, I know it's probably not the most exciting, but it's a very useful um, use case, and that is Mosini. Mosini is uh, based out of Europe, and they do metal processing. Now I know, really exciting, right? But what they're doing with the metaverse and AI is pretty cool. They have developed a metaverse or a digital twin of their metal producing or processing um, business. It's an exact copy in the digital world. And they run all their experiments now in that digital world. All the simulations are done with AI simulating what would happen in real life. So it can show them what happens if you press on this metal or you shape this metal or whatever you're doing to your, your metal in the real world. Because of AI with the metaverse, it's now able to reproduce that. 
Um, they actually told me they're, they're not driving, they're not counting revenue, but they're looking at savings. And already they've saved uh, 15% of their waste, which is a very significant number using the two. So not all of the metaverse has to be outward facing. I saw that was one of the questions. It's not all of this is outward facing. Some of this you use yourself, like BMW is using it to co-create among their researchers, that sort of thing. Um, we at Unstoppable are also using it, and this is a simple use case, but a really valuable one. So on our search bar, when you go to decide your digital identity, we've embedded chat GPT. So let's say that you don't want to use sandy.nft as your digital identity. You, you, you're like, oh, I always wear pink. Of course I do. I always wear pink. I always wear pink. I really like Manchester United. I want my identity to represent that. So ChatGPT will help you brainstorm on what your digital identity will be. And then this is one of my very favorites, um, my fa very favorite examples. So Brian Fanzo has a podcast. It's called NFT365. He started his podcast buying a different NFT every day of the year, 365 days. Um, he did that and talked about the communities and how he found it. But now what he's doing is he's using MidJourney, which is an AI tool for designing art and graphics, which is what I use for my presentation. And he's designing one of one NFT art. So he's creating a 365 collection, one of one, and selling one every day. This is one of them. Don't you guys like that? That's really cool, isn't it? So he has to put in the context and the prompts and everything for AI, but he's created this um, AI art. And there are so many use cases here for AI and the metaverse and Web3. These are just some of the ones I see emerging today. Um, coding is one. If you look at, there is a couple of tools. One is called Code AI. Even ChatGPT can help you document your code. Uh, can help you tweak your code or take it from, let's say you're in pa uh, Python and you want to move it to a different language. It can even help you do that kind of thing to all of the marketing stuff like social media. Um, I also have security on here because I see like several questions that have popped up from you guys about security. We could do a whole hour on security and how the blockchain is secure and you know everything uh, also you have pluses and minuses where you store the data and how you're storing it and how you're protecting that user which is very important. AI also plays a role in that as well as you talk about security. So after one of my presentations, people said, Sandy, could you lay out the tools that you use along a customer journey? So this is the first time I've ever showed this chart before. Um, what I did was I took just a typical customer journey from awareness all the way out to purchase, uh, to support, um, and to loyalty. And so you can see some of the different applications I'm, I'm trying out today. Again, not an endorsement, it's just things I'm trying. Uh, so Appy is one of those for that area of loyalty. It helps you look at your customers that you've already sold to, what keeps them loyal to you, and places them in segments. It's pretty interesting and cool. Um, I also like on the community side this new tool called Epiphy, which helps you manage a community. So we're a startup. Um, we just became a unicorn, but we're still a startup, so we don't have a lot of people to manage a community 24 by 7. So we're looking at some of these tools to help us do that uh, in the Web3 and the, the metaverse world. So there's tools that can help you all along all these different ways. Okay, so I'm going to end now by talking a little bit about the future and where we're headed and how you guys could get started. So one of the things that we did while I was here is we had this uh, metaverse... VIP uh, dinner, uh, talking about how we could use this in healthcare. We were specific about healthcare. And uh, we had a pediatric surgeon there, we had nurses in the round table. And one of the interesting things is everybody to a T said, you know, healthcare is broken, we've got to completely redesign it. And the metaverse could give us that ability to completely rethink the entire industry. So you know, today, um, surgeons are being trained with AR and VR. But where could we go? So this is some of the things we imagined in the next five years. Creating a digital twin, just like Massini did for their metal producing, of a hospital. You know, hospital changes regulations and shifts and everything all the time. How do you know what's really going to work and be the best for putting people first? Or elderly care. There's a whole set of new startups popping up with metaverses for the elderly. In the next decade, we could have metaverse hospitals 
um, I, I saw a TV here. I don't know if you guys saw it. There's a TV here. You sit in front of it, and it reads your vitals. It would read your heartbeat, your blood pressure, which I'm sure right now is very high in front of all of you smart people. Um, it looks at all those vitals, and, and it kind of tells you, okay, it doesn't diagnose you, but it says, based on your vitals, here's a care navigation for you. What if that was embedded into the metaverse, and you had a metaverse care navigation? I do think that there's going to be several of these as we come on to the future. And then just announced yesterday, I wanted to share it with you. So at Davos, uh, Korea announced Seoul Metaverse City. And they did that for citizen services. So they were going to use that for citizen services. They just announced yesterday a metaverse fund for any company who was supporting Korea. And I put the quote there that said, they're investing in this metaverse fund to fund metaverse companies because they believe it's the growth engine for the next 10 years for their economy. So they just created this fund for the future. Again, taking a long-term view about what they're looking at. Um, and then this is a, I thought this report was amazing. So I have a link in this when I post the slides. This is a report that McKinsey did. So if you're an entrepreneur in the audience and you're like, where's my next business going to come? They interviewed thousands of enterprise executives and said, what are the killer apps that you need in the metaverse to go metaverse first? And so you can see some of them on here are business models or kind of, you know, doing that digital twin, making sure I can analyze stuff to product design to being able to co-create. Um, there's so many great ideas. I just showed part of them here. But you guys should grab this, this McKinsey study to look at some of the future possibilities as well. OK, so we just got a couple more things I want to walk you through. How to get started. Um, so this is my view of how to start. Again, I told you there is no playbook here. So you guys are going to be making up your playbook. I'm hoping that you guys will you know, reach out to me and say, oh, I tried this and this works so that I can learn from you too. So at the bottom of my how to get started, it's to form that rabbit team. I think that rabbit team is crucial as you're going forward. Um, the next one is to really make sure that you are able to um, look at your branding. And this could be for you too, right? How are you starting to brand yourself in that Web3 metaverse? How are you going to look at branding your company? What's that digital identity look like? The third one is to really study and go deep on community. Community is everything in this space. It is the ethos of Web3 and the metaverse. Really go deep on that community side. Figure out community niches or micro communities that you're going to start looking at. And then the next one, I advise people to start looking at those metaverse experiences, those immersive experiences, except here's my big aha. Make sure that you make those reusable assets. Because this is in such an early day. I like to say it's in the dial-up phase. So don't do anything hard-coded. Make them into reusable assets. So if you find one that works, you can expand upon that. You're not locked into something that's just a solid glob. And then finally, um, AI as a partner. So this means for every company, I think every company's got to do training on how your employees can use all these tools that are out there to better serve you and to better help you making uh, great decisions and moving really fast as that rabbit team would need to do. Um, now, when I usually talk about this, people say, Sandy, even though this is a brand new area, you know, we're still running businesses, so we still have to have a business case. Um, I do have a couple of business cases that I'll post for you that are templates. But the most often question I get is, are there revenue drivers here? There definitely are. The top four that I've seen so far are around virtual goods, so creating something virtually, either replicating it physically or selling it virtually. Um, advertising, so in the metaverse, there's lots of advertising. In fact, one of my... Um, one of my friend's sons discovered a tennis shoe in his metaverse game and used that to go and buy shoes. So there's lots of kind of advertising kind of revenue. There's co-creation, which is really taking off. I gave you two examples. I could have given you 20. And then there's that digital identity, forming those communities, rewarding those communities for certain things will get you higher loyalty and typically drive your sales up as well. So those are just some of the revenue drivers. Again, like I said, I'll share with you a couple of business cases as well. OK, so our time, I think, is uh, almost done. I want to leave you with my last call to action. 
I think I've covered all the questions, at least that I see on the screen, about how do you protect kids, um, security, three security questions. Um, if you have more questions, get them up here. But call to action for me is one. I love that all of you came today. Thank you so much. I thought I had a dream last night there were two people in this huge big room, so thank you. That made me feel so much better. Um, but because you're here, that tells me that you have that learn and be curious muscle. Continue to learn, because this space is changing all the time, right? Meta or Instagram was in, they were doing NFTs, today they announced they're out. So things are changing all the time. You've gotta have that curious muscle. Um, the second one, and I love this term, which is play storm. Please go out there and play. Come to one of my lectures. I promise I will not make fun of you if you're stuck on the ceiling. I won't tell your story with your name in front of a big audience, but you just will learn a lot. And then finally, you know, always be looking forward. And uh, one of my things is I love quotes. And one of my very favorite quotes is this one. It's from Amara's Law. And it says, we tend to overestimate the technology on the short term, which means people are like, oh, the metaverse isn't here yet. It's not here yet. We expected it to do great things. In fact, I see a couple of questions. It looks like the metaverse is not going to make it, or is the metaverse still real? It is still real. It's just not going to be instant. I think we overestimated the impact in the short term. But look at the second part of this quote. We underestimate the impact that it's going to have in the long term. So please don't be left behind. Please make sure that you're looking forward and that you're taking this into account and being ready for what's gonna come in the next, um, in the next decade. Hopefully this was valuable. Thank you so much for being here today.